He alone is worthy. Hallelujah. What an awesome presence of God in, in this place. I, I don't know. I, I feel like God could heal somebody tonight. Come on, he, the, the Lord moved through this place last night. And he began to minister to us. And, you know, this is Wednesday night. Don't get too excited. It's Wednesday night. That means Thursday morning, still got to go to work. We still got to eat. And my Lord, did we eat around this place. This suit, I could button it last week. I'm testing the tensile strength of the fabric right now as I try to button it. But I love what the Lord is doing in Salem. God wants this church to run a thousand. If everybody would just win one person this year, or if one member of your family would walk through those doors. Can you imagine, can you imagine what God has in store? I, I love being in his presence. I'm going to preach a little different tonight. Is that all right? Galatians 1.6. If you have your Bibles... You ought to try bringing your Bibles. It's like going riding without a car. It's like going to a buffet that ain't KFC. I marvel that ye are so soon removed... From him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. You see, this is the only truth right here. This is the death, the burial, the resurrection. This is the message that brought a drug addict like Nick Mahaney out of the jails. Come on. There's not another gospel. There's not another way. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
And I want to preach just for a little bit on something the Lord showed me here recently. I, I've been wrestling with what to preach, but sometimes you just have to, we have to preach to each other. And this is something the Lord showed to me, and it's called, I want to preach on even if an angel. And I want you to lift your hands. Lord, I need you to anoint me right now more than I've ever been anointed before. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, let me be able to speak your word out, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit fall upon somebody in this place tonight. Oh, God, bring us closer to you so that we can have revival. God, bring us closer to you so the harvest can come. Lord, bring us closer to you so our family will come in. Lord, let there be miracle signs and wonders happen in this place. I speak the word of faith in the name of Jesus. I take dominion over any spirit that's not of you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated. You see, we live in a day and time that's unlike any other time in history. Our forefathers, and I'm a, I'm a student of history, received this blessed truth in the early part of the 20th century. They came out of religions and churches bound by the dogma and the beliefs of the Trinity. You see, they came to the truth, and when they did, they saw that God wasn't a triune God made up of three separate persons. And they saw that being baptized in the name of Jesus and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues was the only way to the truth. They realized that this was the truth. So they began to meet in tents. They began to meet in brush arbors, in storefronts. And they began to preach this blessed truth. It was men and women who were sold out that would cross this nation and this world preaching this wonderful Acts 2.38 message. And they knew that they had to separate themselves from this world. They realized that everything began and ended with Jesus. So putting him first, these men and women began to lay the groundwork and begin to blaze the trails of revival and harvest. These men were poor and uneducated men and women. I've read stories about men that were saved in the, during the Depression. They couldn't read or write. And they found them an altar and began to pray. And God taught them how to read and write through his word. Come on. It still happens today. I know of a pastor right now in Panoba in the Philippines. He's about this tall. And... Brother Don Gola couldn't read or write English, and he was wanting to reach out to everybody in his community. And the Filipinos are very educated people, a lot of them. So he went on a fast and said, God, I want you to teach me how to read your word. The 40th day of the fast, he woke up, and he began to speak English fluently. He went and found his English Bible, and he could read everything in the English Bible. He now preaches fluently in English and Tagalog. Come on, it still happens in this day. 
If you'll dedicate yourself, if you'll consecrate yourself, there's things and there's shortcomings that are in your life that God will bring you out of. Come on. Now we fast forward to 21st century Pentecost. No longer relegated to the brush arbors. Thank God. Mosquitoes love fat people. Not that any of y'all are fat. Brother Tim. Just kidding. No longer the storefronts. But now we are now blessed with the most modern and beautiful places where we meet and worship. We are no longer struggling. Come on, even the poorest person in the church is way better off than they were back when this first started. Gone are the plain homemade dresses and overalls. Thank the Lord. I don't know if I've ever had a pair of overalls on. I... I don't even know if they make them this size. The little hammer handle deal, you know, on the side, as big as I am, it'd be for a sledgehammer. But now we dress in the finest and latest fashions. We are blessed beyond measure. Come on, we drive the nicest cars. Walk outside and look. This parking lot is covered with nice cars. We all live in nice homes. We are so blessed. And I, for one, I'm thankful for the many things that me and my family have been blessed with. Come on, we've been blessed beyond measure. And I want to thank him for the many blessings that he's poured out upon me. And I want to thank him for the many more blessings that he's going to pour out upon me. I want to thank him that he woke me up this morning. Come on, I want to thank him that he put clothes on my back. I want to thank him because he fed me today. Come on, I'm a blessed man. Come on, I'm a blessed man. I'm now in my 50s. I turned 51. In August 29th, August 31st, I had to have glasses. True story. And how I noticed it, Brother Homer, I was in a restaurant and I couldn't read the menu. Now, I can get the Bible on CD. I can get Louis Lamar on CD. But you can't get a menu unless it's Braille. So guess what, man? I got to get some glasses. Now, I was raised in the church. My father was an evangelist. We traveled all over this place. They preached the gospel all over the North American continent. We slept in Sunday school rooms. We lived in motel rooms. My parents were sold out. They gave everything that they had for the kingdom of God. Now, in 1983, I was 17, and I turned my back on God. And at the heartbreak and anguish of my parents, I spent the next 20 years 
bound and addicted to drugs and alcohol. Facing 40 to life in prison, here I was at the end of my rope. But in a drug rehab, I reached up to Jesus, and he reached down to me. Come on, I said, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? He not only forgave me, he filled me with his spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Come on, immediately I was delivered from shooting up dope. Come on, immediately I was delivered from alcohol. Immediately I was delivered from pornography. Come on, immediately that new man, Nick Mahaney, stood up and the old man, Nick Mahaney, was dead. That was March of 2004. I was set free to walk in a newness of life with Jesus. But I came back to church after 21 years. And a lot had changed. What I noticed was the churches were all bigger. Come on. Which is a great thing. The music was second to none. I remember when we played the spoons in church. You remember them all? Any of y'all remember the spoons? Yeah, get two spoons. Clackety, clack, 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 clack. The good news was you could never be off key. Tambourines. I mean, I've seen people beat them tambourines until jingles flew off through the air. Now they check them at the door when you walk in. <laughs> they say, we just play, praise him in the dance. We don't do the timbrel around this joint. Back when I was a kid, they would say that the choir come up and sing and everybody came to the platform but the visitors. Everybody. That was kind of awkward, wasn't it? And there was always that one guy that would sing and he could only sing in one note. Everybody else would fluctuate with the notes and go up and down. Not this feller. And guess what? He was always the loudest singer in the choir. Now, all that had changed. Our talented and well-trained musicians and singers are second to none. Our preachers are now more educated and unrivaled by any in this world. What I noticed was everything was now upgraded and polished. I didn't see no more accordions. And listen, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you I want to. But now it was top-notch with few imperfections. We have modern and updated programs in church from every kind of person you can think of. And another thing I noticed was church for the most part. Now, this is one thing that's great about this church. It was streamlined time conscious they wanted to assert I've been handed sheets of paper when I got up to preach and said this is the moment I want them in the altar call okay God you see this uh, this is how they want it would you please do it their way and they wonder why nobody gets healed 
Come on, they wonder why they haven't baptized anybody in so long. Come on, that there's mold and mildew in the baptistry. And I was shocked to find out that nobody does this, you know, in an extended revival. They were now a thing of the past. I remember a revival that my father was in, 16 weeks. They sold T-shirts. I survived 16 weeks with Charles Mahaney. And they only off night was Monday. Man, you talk about having to get some new material. But you know what? That revival was so big in that church that they had to knock the walls out. They had to go get a tent because they couldn't pack everybody in there that was receiving the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's something that happens. Come on, when we do like last night and something breaks. Come on, and tonight God's about to step us to the next level. Is this all right? I'm... And I soon learned that for the most part, preachers didn't preach on certain things like when I was a kid, such as standards. Faithfulness. Come on. Because they were worried that they may lose some well-to-do person or family. Come on. Come on, we need men of God to stand to this pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord. I've been on my knees today, and I got a word for this church. Come on, I've been on my knees. I've been fasting this week. Come on, I got something I want to preach to you. I got something that God wants to do for you. It was also very ob obvious, too, that it was harder to distinguish who was in the church and who wasn't. And I still don't understand how people think that they don't have to serve God on vacation. Don't get mad at me and then put it on Facebook. Well, I'm on vacation. We're going to leave Jesus at the house. All right, kids, act like a heathen. That's not how it works. Come on, I need him every day that I'm alive. I need him every morning when I get up. I need him at night when I go to bed. And this is what the Lord has been dealing with me about. There was no mention of personal convictions. Nobody preaches on personal convictions. That's what shapes us. That's what molds us. I want to show you what the Lord showed me. Jeroboam was the son of Nebat of the tribe of Ephraim. When he was a young man, King Solomon made him superintendent, building a fortress around Jerusalem. Now at that time, everybody was upset because Solomon was living in a life of extravagance at the end of his life, marrying many, many people, women. And like many others, Jeroboam had become discontent. Now, Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem one day, and he was wearing a new garment, 1 Kings eleven twenty nine. He leaves, and he's wearing a new garment, but this time he runs into a prophet named Ahijah. Am I saying that right? And it came to pass, 
1 Kings 11 and 29, and it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment. And they two were alone in a field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, on Jeroboam. And he rent it in 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take thee 10 pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemish, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that as right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. So Solomon, this is a small country. Here's what the prophet has told Jeroboam. So he is angered and he wants Jeroboam killed. So Jeroboam has to flee to Egypt. He has to wait until Solomon dies and the kingdom of Israel finally goes to Solomon's son, Rehoboam. The people, because of how Rehoboam is treating everybody, they revolt. And just as it was prophesied, Jeroboam becomes king of ten of the tribes of Israel. But you see, Jeroboam was afraid that if they worshipped like they was told to worship in Jerusalem, Come on, in other words, he already started going back on what God and the prophet told him not to do. He was afraid that, well, if you keep acting apostolic, you're not going to draw in the crowds. Come on, if you keep acting this way, you're going to run people off. So he was afraid that he would lose his kingdom if the people of, his, of, of Israel went to Jerusalem to worship. So he builds two golden calves. Places one in Bethel, one in Dan. And he tells the people, here's your gods who brought you out of Egypt. He then builds a house for the priest that he has put over the high places. These priests are not Levites, but these priests have come from the men of the lowest rank in the people. So Jeroboam calls for a feast, and he's offering incense on his false altar to his false God. 
When in walks the prophet from Judah, come on, you might think you have everybody fooled. Come on, you might think that you got everybody fooled, but you're never going to fool God. And God's going to send a man of God to point his finger in your face and say, look, you better line it up or you're going to be lost and you're going to go to hell. So in walks the prophet from Judah. The Bible calls him a young prophet. He tells Jeroboam, son of the house of David will be born, named Josiah, who will destroy the priest and destroy the altars. The prophet tells him that, the, that how you will know this is from God, the sign will be that this altar will break open and ashes will pour out of the altar. Jeroboam is angry. How can this young prophet from Judah tell me what is going to happen to my lineage? How can this young prophet from Judah come and point his finger in my face and tell me, thus saith God? And he points his finger to have him arrested, and when he does, his arm and hand dries up, withers up. So he gets a different attitude about the man of God. He cries out to the man of God, I pray that you pray to God that the Lord will restore my hand. The man of God begins to pray, and the Bible says his hand is restored. Now, how many has read this in the Bible? Well, good. 1 Kings 13 and 7. I've read this story so many times, and I had never understood it until just a couple months ago. And the Lord began to show me some things. 1 Kings 13, 7. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Well, there lived, if you'll read this story, there lived an old prophet right in this same area. And he heard what had happened to the king by the young man of God from Judah how that God had used him. So he goes and finds this man of God from Judah. And the Bible tells us he finds him sitting under an oak tree. And he asked him, hey, are you the man of God from Judah? Pretty forward, isn't it? He said, I want you to come home with me and eat bread. And uh, the young man, 1 Kings 13, 16 and he said, I may not go. I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread. Same thing, he just told the king. Nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said to him, I am a prophet also as thou. And an angel... And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. 
So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drink water. Now the Bible says while they were are eating, all of a sudden the word of the Lord came on the old prophet. Come on. Who came and brought this young man into his house. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, verse 22, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. If you will notice, the scripture doesn't say the man of God was a sinner. The scripture doesn't say he was an evil man. It just says that he disobeyed what the Lord had commanded him. God had placed personal convictions on this man and he did not heed them. You following me now? He leaves the prophet's house on a donkey and a lion jumps out and kills him. First King 13, 23. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the donkey to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him and his carcass was cast in the way and the donkey stood by it and the lion stood by the carcass. Come on, I've read this story over and over. Now I come back to it. I'm like, man, what does this mean? Scratching my head. I'm wondering what in the world. Why would God send and use this man and let him be so deceived by this old prophet that it would cost him his life? I begin to pray and I begin to seek God's face for revelation and understanding. Come on, you need to try this for this passage of Scripture. You see, some things you just can't find on YouTube. Come on, some Scriptures, Facebook, they don't know what they're talking about with it. Come on, some things in the Word, you just can't go to youpreachit.com. Come on, there are things in the Word that God desires to show us to help us in our walk with Him. Let me show you what God showed me. This man of God was stepping out. Come on, he was being used by God. God had given him some personal convictions for him to live by, and the reason why they were on him was to protect him. So instead of staying strong in his convictions, he is swayed by the words of someone he doesn't even know. Come on, there are principles, and there are standards, and there are instructions in the Word of God that can't be done away with. They cannot be compromised. The Bible is very explicit on not adding to or taking away from it. And we need these standards and these principles for protection from the devil. Can I tell you our standards aren't some made up rules by men so that we can rule over you. But they are principles set up for your protection. And they keep you submitted not to men but to God. But there are things that God requires of me that I need. Maybe Matt doesn't need them, but I need them to keep me in check and to keep me in, 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 in keep me safe. Our flesh and our sin nature tries to influence us. Am I the only one? Come on, it makes us doubt 
makes us question what we know in our hearts is from God. The old prophet tells him, well, an angel has spoken to me, and it's all right for you to come home with me. Or in other words, it's all right for you to let down those personal convictions that God has placed on you. Come on, the word tells us he then steps out of the covering of the oak tree. You better be careful when you start stepping away from your covering. Come on, this man and his wife are your covering. Come on, this man and his wife are your covering. Don't you think that you can do things on your own? Don't you think that you got it all figured out? You better learn what submission is. You better learn what submission means to you. I want you to know right now, I'm submitted to my pastor. My pastor's Jimmy Lumpkin. Come on, he could call me tonight and tell me to get home. Guess what? I'm submitted to him. Thinking God wants to wants you to leave. Man, you got to be out of your mind trying to leave the covering of the man of God where God has placed you because you've been influenced by some outside voice. It's usually someone you don't even know. Come on, it ain't usually the brethren that you're running around with. And the problem is, is you quit running around with the brethren in the church. And start running around with some goofballs that start influencing you. And you don't listen to the man that has fasted and has prayed over you and your family. And then you go against the convictions that God has placed in your life. The young prophet went against his convictions. He goes and eats with the old prophet. Now, this story really doesn't make sense unless you pray about it. After he's through, he leaves on a donkey. This lion's waiting on him. It attacks him and kills him. Now, lions don't just attack just to kill you. They're going to scarf you up. Not this one. The lion and the donkey just stand by the body. They're looking at him like, you dummy. You are sure ignorant. Your dad called you ignorant. He was right. You understand the lion represents the devil. That's easy to see, isn't it? But here's the donkey is the beast of burden. Or he's the works. He's the works. And when the man of God stepped away from his personal convictions, he opened himself up from the attack from the enemy. The lion was not able to not only kill him, but it stopped the works of that man of God from Judah. Do you think God wanted his life just to end right there? Come on, he had called him from Judah, a prophet. Come on, a man of God. He gave him convictions of things that he should live by. But he stepped away from him, and that old devil, that roaring lion, it knew that if I can get him out of his convictions, 
He's opened up to me. Come on, you better be careful when you step away from the man of God. You better be careful when you stop listening to the personal convictions that God has placed on your life. Come on, if I could say anything to a young man sitting in a church pew right now, I would tell you to fall on your face and not only listen to what the pastor says, but say, God, place some personal convictions in my life. Come on, now more than ever, we need men and women of God who have committed everything in their life to what God wants from them. Come on, we need some young people who know how to fast. We need some elders who know how to pray. Come on, people who have fasted and prayed until they have heard from God and they know what God expects from them. Can I tell you, I may not be the best preacher. I'm not the best singer, but I know what God has placed in my life. Come on, there's no devil in hell that's going to get me away from the covering of my pastor. There's no devil in hell that's going to make me step away from the things that God has convicted me of because I want to be used by him. I want when I go to my grave, I want it known in hell that I was used, that I was an evangelist that preached this gospel. Second Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions through the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You see, God is looking for some men and women tonight. You see, he showed us who he was last night. I don't know about you, but I was comforted after last night's service. Last night, things began to happen in this place. It was like for a minute, God pulled back the veil and said, this is a little bit of heaven, and I want you to feel what heaven's going to be like. This is what I feel like, God, why God wanted me to preach this sermon. The kids are in another room. This is the core of the church sitting here right now. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go to the next level. Come on. Now, is it just lip service? Because, you know, as us as apostolics, we know how to say the right things. We know how to sing the right songs. We've gotten so used to feeling his presence. We've gotten so used to feeling that power that we don't realize that there's more that there's more. But you see, he's got to trust us. I believe like that scripture says that there's a small window, a space of grace. And I believe that we're living in it right now. Every time I pull in to Salem, I see that population sign. 
And I'm telling you, last year the Lord spoke to me and said that church will, grow, will be well over 10% in that town. There is a freedom to preach in this place unlike any other place I go. You know why? It's because you, the people. But it's not over for you. I mean, you, if you're not careful, you can become comfortable. Because you have enough people in this church now where if you want to, you can build a new, new church and just keep on flowing like you're flowing. But if you want to, if you're willing, God's not through using you. God's not through using you. God's not through using you, Mac. God's not through using you. God's not through using you. Are you ready to go to the next level? Come on, you need to, because there's going to be some personal convictions that God's going to place on you. Come on, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to stop doing. Come on, you're going to have to let go of, well, I don't, that don't make no sense to me. It ain't about making sense to you. It's about making sense to him. Sometimes God puts us through some things so we can understand who he really is and what he can really do. Come on, I'm just going to tell you, I'm willing to do anything that me and my wife have to do to see our family saved. Come on. I don't care. God can tell me anything, any place to go, anything to do, and I'm going to do it because you know what? It's more than just me. Come on. It's about my children. Come on. I've got some children that are lost. Come on. i got some children that are lost and going to hell, and I can't take it. When I lay down at night and I begin to think, dear God, I wonder when the phone rings in the middle of the night, what is happening? Is something bad going on? But I'm telling you, I'm about to ready to step away from all that fear. Come on, all that anxiety. I'm saying, God, use me. God, you use me. God, you tell me what you want me to do. You tell me where you want me to go. You tell me what you want me to say because I'm willing to go. I'm tired of being comfortable. In September, let's all stand. In September... I was invited to go to the Philippines. I'd never preached overseas. I'd be honest with you. I didn't, I, I was, you know, I'll go preach anywhere. I went over there and began to preach to these people. God laid a burden on my heart for them. I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, because I'm not a missionary, I can barely speak English let alone learn some other language. My wife and I was in a motel. We got a call in December. And in 2015, there were 6,000 people in the Philippine nation that were in drug rehabs. Where they elected this president, Duterte. Any of y'all heard of him? What he has done... He said, I'm going to purge this country of drugs and corrupt politicians. He has killed over 7,000 people now in 2016 till now. 7,000. If you are a drug dealer, the police drag you out and you are dead. 
So he makes this proclamation. You know, one of his exact things he said was, I'm willing to kill every drug addict in this generation to save the next generation. That's what he said. So he told them, you got one chance. You turn yourselves in, our government will help you. If you don't, you know, you're going to die. You're going to prison or we're going to kill you. Five months. I've got pictures. Five months. One million and 20,000 drug addicts have walked into coliseums, big gymnasiums, soccer fields, and they have lifted their hands and said, we can't live like this anymore. We need help. Well, it's overwhelming. It's called the Dangerous Drug Board. They have no, they have no idea what to do. When it turns out the man that's in charge of this, ca this cabinet member that's in charge of the Dangerous Drug Board is a UPC guy in the Philippines. You know what he says? I know a guy that can help him. I heard this evangelist from America in September give his testimony. You see, their drug of choice, it's called Shabu, which is methamphetamines. That's what I was addicted to. I have dominion over methamphetamines. I have dominion over alcoholism. I have them, and them spirits know when I step to the pulpit that they've got to get out. So the president and the government signed a contract with the United Pentecostal Church. We went over in March, and I taught to about 100 pastors, including their general superintendent and all their general board. We're about to go back out to all the places where they turn themselves in. And we're going to have deliverance from dangerous drug rallies. They're going to come in. The government's promised to bring them to us. They said, we'll advertise. We'll do everything as long as you'll bring them in and, and tell your testimony. I wasn't planning on this. This is unheard of. My credit cards are maxed out now over all the Philippine trips. But if God wants me to go, you know what I felt in my spirit and prayer on my face, God spoke to me and said, if you'll give everything that you have for those people, now I'm going to bring it back here. So the devil would like me for me to ease up because we're pretty comfortable now. I have a, I, I've been evangelizing for a while now and I, I stay booked up the whole year with people that I go back to. That's a huge blessing. God has given us a fine RV and truck. We just got a house. So if I'm not careful, I'm just telling you from experience, I've already felt that spirit of complacency try to come over me. I'll get too comfortable. Come on, and I'll lose Come on, God can get rid of me in a heartbeat and he can raise somebody else up. Man, I pray, God, place convictions on me where I don't stray from you. God, you can please use me, God. Come on, maybe he's calling some of you young men. You don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. Maybe some of you young ladies are going to be on some foreign field preaching this gospel. 
Come on, we've tried to stray away from women being used, but let me tell you something. God wants to use some strong women in this last day too. Come on, I want to tell you something. This is what I feel in the Holy Ghost. If you'll just open up to what God's been dealing with you about, He'll open the door. He will open the door and He will close the one that you step through. So there's no going back. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Come on, have you been laying awake at night thinking, God, I got to do more? I can't do this. I can't do it like this anymore. He's been placing things in your mind and in your heart that you know that you got to get rid of. Come on, who knows what it is? I remember old timers that couldn't drink coffee. Now that's crazy. I'm glad God hadn't done that to me. But I'm willing to give it to Him. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give to see your family walk through those doors? What are you willing to give to be a voice in this space of grace that we have to this world? Come on, if God's been dealing with you through this sermon, come on, I want you to step out right now. Come on. I want you to step out and begin to make your way to the front. We're going to go to a different level. Come on, you know you know, I've been preaching to some of you right in your face. Come on, God wants to use you. Now, let me tell you something. God may want to use you. He may bless you where you can write a check for, the, for a new building. Come on. He may bless you where you where you want to bless this church in other ways. You may not be leaving leaving to some foreign field, but God has got a call on you for Salem, Illinois. Come on, God has got a call on you for the First Apostolic Church.